This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're, uh, we're in a lively zone. We, we thought that, you know, after Monday night, after crying after we got home on Monday night from QBR, and we were crying on Tuesday as well, we thought we need to get ourselves out, out and about, with people around us who will be able to look after us just in case we decided to do something a little bit sort of kind of like untowards to ourselves. So we're right in the middle of town. We've, we've, we've come all the way into town and we're actually at the Hydrant Pub, right beside Monument Station. We've been here a few times for the podcast and it's an absolutely wicked venue. Very, very lively. Obviously, people are getting ready for Christmas. It's not even December yet. And uh, we struggled a bit, but we, we got sorted out here. We've got a nice little table in the corner here and we're getting sorted. We've got our beers. We've had a bit of food. We've had chips. We've uh, got, got a pint of pride. Um, we've got our guest there. He's on a bit of a frontier tonight as well. So we're mixing, mixing and matching, as they say. But oh, I have to be honest with you, I'm feeling a lot better than I was uh, probably about two or three hours ago. As, I, as we actually start to talk about things and look towards the weekend, we're looking forward and not back. As we say, I'm Billy Grant and I'm here in the Hydra Pub, right beside Monument Station. If you're in the area, you work in the city, just pop in here, have a couple of, have a couple of drinks and say the, pod, the besotted boys sent you and they'll look at you with a blank face. But anyway, as I said, Billy Grant here, and I'm sitting around the table on the top floor, overlooking a Waitrose truck. And I've got... I've got, I've got a better view than you. You've got a better view than myself. And listen, I've got my man Lady. Dave Lane, how are you? I'm very good, mate. I, my view's perfect. I can actually see the monument right there. It's big, too big for that window. And I can also see the shard, which... Um, is there looking like a Christmas tree at the moment? So my, my view is better than yours, and um, 
Yeah, your Waitrose lorry is not very picturesque. It's a, it's a lovely Waitrose lorry. They haven't got too many of them going around. And the Shard, you can look at the Shard any time of the day. Liberal Nick, we've got you back down from the West Country again. Uh, you said you're never going to come on the podcast again, and you're on it nearly every other week now, aren't you? Uh, yeah, almost, but you know, it, uh, it's because I can't stay away from it. And the, the, the delight of being in central London on a Thursday night. No, it is, it's Wednesday, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You know, it seems like, it seems like a Thursday night, night to me. Everybody's, everybody's sing, singing and dancing and cheering up. And I just needed cheering up after this week. I really did. So I needed to come back on the podcast to have a right good moan, which I'll do later. Okay. And also, hold on a second. We've also got another. I'm just writing a little note, actually. I'm writing a note and I'm just passing it to the to the waiter here. He's, he's, he's giving it to the person on the next table. We've invited a Fulham fan as well, but he's actually not sitting at the table with us. He's sitting. We couldn't have him sit with us. We have to sit him at the next table. So every time we have to talk to him, we have to write a note, get the waiter to pass it over to him, and then he'll write an answer back, and then we can read it out here because. To be quite honest with you, we can't really have Fulham fans on this podcast, can we? Don't really want to talk to him, do you? No, I don't really want to talk to him at all, actually, you know what I'm saying? So, I want to say, notes come back. Yes, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really enjoying coming to the, going to the game on Saturday. Apparently, he's, he's going to enjoy going to the game. What does that mean? Well, if there's anything last, last, last season, he should enjoy it, because they, they, they did us last year. We, we owe them, we owe them, mate. We do own that. To be fair, that's the first time that they've done this in about 20 years, isn't it? Hold on a second. There's another note coming back. He's like, can I, can I join you, please? Uh, do, do we think we join us? Absolutely, yeah. We talk to anybody. You talk that you're a liberal, so I mean, that's what you expect, isn't it? Exactly, yeah, I do. I'd probably draw the line at Rangers fan tonight, but I'm happy to talk to a Fulham fan. OK, listen, listen, you can come over now, mate. Hold on a second, he's some sort of stampede. Oh, there he is. Hey, listen, we've got Sammy from the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy, how you doing, mate? I'm very good. Thank you for inviting me to your table. I was very lonely over there on my own. Yes. Yeah, well, listen, we don't do it to everybody. It's just only, only Fulham fans. To, to be fair, we actually, we thought you were the magic mod, and that's the reason why we put you on the other table. And, and he obviously magicked himself away, and he, he's turned you, him into you. I have got a few tricks on my sleeve. Yeah, indeed. Well, hopefully you've got, you can do all your tricks tonight, but none on Saturday. Laney? We couldn't leave you sitting over there crying underneath the telly. <laughs> I think it's you boys crying after Monday. Yeah, listen, listen, listen. We will talk about that a little bit later. Less of those in jokes, please. But anyway, listen. I've had a, I've had a pretty good week actually. I'm going to talk about the weekend as well because, uh, well, unlike Fulham, um, Brentford didn't play on Saturday, so we all decided to sort of take a little trip to South East London. I, I finally managed to drag you and a few characters down to to Dulwich Hamlet on Saturday, and. Uh, <laughs> Well, I had, I, had, I had a lot of fun, actually. I had a right, right good love. And what I'd like to say as well is that I know I keep saying it every week. I go to Dulwich Hamlet and you keep on bumping into Brentford fans. On Saturday, totally unannounced, we bumped into at least three different Bees fans as you're just walking around the terraces. And I said I'll give him a shout-out. There was uh, Justin. He's not listened to the podcast before, but he said he'll promise he'll listen this time. So Justin and his family down there, big, big Bees fan. You ever been about that turn around and said, hello, hello, you're Billy, aren't you? Never met him before, but it's all good. Met him in the, in the cherry tree beforehand. So Justin, big Bees fan. And then we met James. Remember James with the Brentford gloves? That was quite bizarre. You were, you were getting some chips at the old thing, and there's characters that get some chips with the Brentford gloves, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. He was right gloved up. You, so, so would you be? It was blooming freezing. It was. It was indeed. It was fruit. And obviously Coxie, who's part of our crew as well, he was there as well at the moment now. So three Bees fans. Like 
said to you, Brentford fans everywhere at Dulwich Hamlet. But it was a bit of a laugh, actually, at Dulwich on Saturday. Lying down, that's your first little trip down there, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed myself. To be honest, I saw more of the bar than I did of the football, um, which is which is unusual for me because like normally the 90 minutes of the game is the, the, the part of my day where I don't drink but um, I, I, I um, sort of re- regret you succumbed I did succumb yeah but it was, it was good really enjoyed it um, really good vibe down there um, yeah just just a really nice no no pressure day of uh, just in just in like take it absorbing the football vibe but without actually being that concerned about the result and stuff yeah, I, I enjoyed it it was a really good day Liberal I achieved my ambition on Saturday I saw Accrington Stanley play they lost yeah they lost 2-0 at Exeter I went to see, I went to see Exeter play because Exeter are my, sec- my second team because they play in red and white stripes so you've got this sort of childish thing that happens at yeah, any right. team that plays in red and white stripes you support them yeah precisely yeah that's right you know so if there's some if there's some minor league team in division 28 looking for a fan on sa- on any Saturday that Brentford aren't playing give me a shout because I'll be down to see them as long as they play they get on I mean that's important Exeter won 2-0 against Action are you happy yeah I was happy they, Exeter they scored a goal two minutes two minutes into the uh, injury time of the first half and then they got a penalty as well in about the 89th minute and the Accrington fans were not happy all 25 of them and then Sammy I mean you know, we're going to talk more about Fulham a little bit later because we have to but um, you Saturday I mean you know, the weekend what, what do you get up to uh, this particular weekend, yeah. obviously I went to the uh, Fulham game on the Saturday and then I played football on the Sunday. My, my team I play for is FC Brentford. Ah, ah, ah. How does that work out then? Um, I don't know. They're the team I ended up uh, picking. Well, it actually used to be a Brentford Supporters Club football team. It's kind of born away from that now. And now I think Basotted is now the more official and Hey Jude it's the more official Brentford Sporters Club, but that's who I play for on a Sunday. But so you play for what, Besotted or, Bre- or Be- No, they're called FC Brentford, but there is now another team, I think, more linked to Brentford. But we were originally born out of Brentford supporters. Oh. But there's actually now more Fulham supporters playing for this team than Bees fans. All right. So obviously there's like, Fulham supporters are thinking, hold on a second, we quite like this, but you, you can't quite bring yourself to support the team. Yeah. No, no, no red and white stripes anymore. Oh. It's now purple. No, we're interested. Did, did that go to a vote? Did you sit down and say, look, listen, look, we're, we're, it's quite Brentford. We, we'll accept the Brentford thing, but we can't do the strike. Did it go to a vote? Uh, it was before my time. Oh. Before my time. But I, that would be the one time I couldn't do it. If we had to play in a Brentford kit for some reason, I'd have to draw the line at that. I, I just wouldn't play that week. But notice they don't call themselves Fulham. You know, it's all it's FC Brentford. It's not FC Fulham. Notice that. You know, pride of West London. You know, there's only one team there, isn't there? You know, listen. This is all being written down, Sam. Don't, don't don't you worry about it. It'll come back to haunt you. you know, it's like a slow creep, isn't it? It's like it's like something really subversive about it. It's like these silly Fulham fans. The Trojan horse, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just I'm not happy about this. Something needs to be done, Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, we'll we'll plot this up. Listen, don't, we'll come back to this a little bit later because obviously just, we have lost. 19 on the spin <laughs> that's kind of a good thing but not quite anyway but listen we'll come back to this later but look so listen everyone seems to have had a very very good weekend like I said before the weekend Monday we won't talk about because that's kind of sport things a little bit but we're not going to talk about QBR amongst ourselves not as yet we're going to go back to the pub afterwards because in the pub we were speaking to Brentford fans and QPR fans after the game to find out what they thought 
about see two goals going in the last two minutes of extra time. Oh, please don't even do this to us. I'm not sure why I should be devastated by this, but I find it quite amusing. I don't know why. I find it almost hilarious how you can be two up and then and then concede two up later on. What I almost find weird about it is that it's, it's, the, it's the moment of us being two up. All their fans have left the stadium. They have a corner, which no one at home then cheers for. There's no, no amount of applause. They score from the corner. Their music goes on. The only people to sing from the music is the Brentford fans saying, oh, everything useless. Da, 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 da. It's just, it's the whole thing. It's ridiculous. It's, 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 it's fully a bizarre situation. And I only take comfort, like you say, in the fact that we're going to keep you up up now, to keep you up and celebrating drawing at home to Brentford. So, listen, I mean, before, before the game, that's no disaster, is it? But it is weird. I'm going to kind of keep you up, mate. Nate. Your brother? My brother, yeah. He didn't saw any goals. He left at 80 minutes. I had to text him at two and said, tell me you didn't still see it. To me, the victory was him not seeing the goals. <laughs> Maybe that's why it still feels like a win. <laughs> You know, our defence has looked rocky to those type of balls all for, for the last few games. Uh, I was going to say all season, that may be a slight exaggeration, but certainly for the last few games. Um, and yet again, I'm afraid Daniel Bentley let us down tonight. Uh, and you've got that harsh, harsh words, but true. Harsh, I mean, if he makes it's a mistake, he makes a mistake. Yeah, Interestingly, I mean, he, makes, he seems to make them on TV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Daniel Bentley and Sky do not go together, are words that, uh, the words that don't go, go together. I'm sorry, that is a real... Uh, downer tonight. We've got defenders who will be going to the World Cup. Then, at the moment, they are not proving that they can cope with the type of football that's being played in the Championship against us. Well, up until I left, we're fucking awful. Awful, awful, awful. But things turn around, and they obviously turned around today in the 90th minute for GBR. Yeah, true, but um, I don't think we're going to get any better. There's a stay of grace for Ian Holloway. In my eyes, badly managed club from the top. And uh, in other ways, he's not a good manager, is he? He's a, he's a, he's a cheerleader, and uh, he's not a tactical genius, so needs um, needs a new manager. I think that's, I think, I think that's, that's what we need. Holloway's done his job. He's got us through a bit of a, term, a turbulent time. Bring a decent manager in. Well, uh, no, if you turn it the other way around, and we were 2-0 down in the 93rd minute against QPR Griffin Park, and it ended 2 all. I don't think you'd be giving them a polite congratulations as they walk past. But well, we are Brentford, though. That's the difference. Well, that is the difference. But then at the same time, the amount of games this season where we've come out and it's the sort of, how did we not win that? How did we lose that? How did we not draw that? Seems to be the recurring theme. And I know we've got the performances and we sort of, on paper, we're beating teams. On paper, but it just seems this constant thing. And when it gets to the, the full-time whistle, of how did we not win that? We were 1-0 up, we played better football, we did have that 20, actually 15-20 minute spell where we were a little bit unsure of ourselves, probably confidence in the past, but when they started to go at us, we showed the quality that we have as a side, and we went on and we scored, and we were 2-0 up. And I think at that point, when we were 2-0 up, we were just better than them. QPR looked poor, I don't care what anybody says, we had it all over them. And unfortunately, they did. All they had was the long, long ball to match me. That is a League 2, League 1 standard. I'll say it all day, that's what QPR are, League 1 standard. But our problem is, we got undone 
by a League One quality side today. And we need to go back, check ourselves, work out how we can deal with that. It's It works for Stoke in the Premier League. This high ball in, the, the Rory Delap style tribute act they've got going at Rangers. It's, 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 it's a damning indictment of us as well as them. You know, we thought um, getting two goals meant we would close the game off rather than just getting the one. And I don't know what happened there. We just seemed to invite it. All game, though, we did look like we were going to concede. It was, this wasn't out of the blue. We're not going anywhere this year. Um, let's just hope we finish top half of the table. And, and if QBR want to celebrate a home draw against Tim Hot Brentford, so be it. So did you see that final goal? It was, it was quite good for you. No, no, I didn't see it. <laughs> in, fact, I, in fact, I think people are lying to me. I think, actually, I don't think Rangers got anything. In fact, it was 2-1 to Brentford, honestly. I was, OK, well, that's what I expected. <laughs> I think it was quite an even game, wasn't it? It's quite a good game of football. I've seen, I've seen worse. Brentford are quite a decent side, I think. They play quite good football. And um, Rangers have got, have got spirit about them. We ain't got a great side, but we, we, what we've got, they go, go with. Last season, they were lost that game comfortably. So they, at least they've got something about them. The strength of Rangers team, basically, our goalie is very, very good. If he, He's premiership bound, probably. If he was in the premiership, he'd probably be in the England squad. He's, a, he's, our, he's our best player. Our midfield is pretty good. Luongo, Freeman, Scowan are, are very good footballers. Apart from that, we haven't got a lot. No, we're, not, we're certainly not going to go up. I don't mean Brentford to go up either. You just want to be safe, don't you? And not, not struggle. Don't want to get in a relegation battle. I certainly think there's at least three teams worse than us. Probably more. But our home, we've got our home fullback and we've got spirit. And that's, that's, if you haven't got a lot of good footballers, that's all you can play with. And I, I, can't, I, I don't think most people don't want, they'll be stupid to get rid of Holloway because he cares. And it, sometimes against Wolves and Sheffield United, top two clubs, we got it right the other week. So it isn't always bad. We murdered them, we've murdered them to all. Uh, it does feel a bit like a defeat. We have, we, it's not a defeat. Like, uh, you know, um, we're going to be able to pick the bones out of the fact that we can't defend. I heard you say that, you know, um, um, Smith said that we got a, a soft underbelly. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't take a genius to work that one out. He's not. I hope they've not paid him just to work that out. You know, we, we, we all know that we can't defend the long ball. Um, when they brought when they brought that big lad on, they they just went route one. You know, long throws, long punts into the box. But you know, we can moan about it. Um, and we can say it's not our pretty football, but we've got to learn how to deal with it. Um, Daniel Bentley, I, I'm not one for balling him out, but. You know, we've turned a blind eye to quite a few mistakes in the last few weeks, and today, um, from what I hear from people that watched it on telly, is that he flapped for the first goal, um, and then we didn't. We just didn't defend the second one. You know, I've, I've seen that on vid on the Sky. So, um, you know, we we we, just, we have to learn. We're not we're not learning, and you know, in, but you know, I I'm sort of um, I'm kind of. <laughs> It's, hard, it's really difficult to, to really cane them for that because we actually played brilliantly or very well for, for 90 minutes. Um, well, no, I think there's a period with QBR yeah, all over course, us. Yeah, okay, yeah, but they're the home team in the London 20, Derby. 20 minutes and they were like, yeah, you, know, you, you know... But we were defending, we, we were defending, we were defending that lead big time, I thought. Yeah, no, fair, fair point. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I, I always thought we looked massively dangerous on the counter-attack, you know, but... You know, we, we can't we can't beat ourselves up for QPR looking quite good for 15, 20 minutes. You know, they are they are the home team in what is a fierce London derby. You expect to be under the cosh. You expect it to be you expect it to be backs to the wall. Um, I just you know, but the game was won. The, the game was absolutely won. We were pushing for the third, and maybe there's maybe there lies the problem. In hindsight, you probably go do you bring Mepham on um, and just shore it up even more. But we you know. 
who'd have thought at 90 minutes if you'd put a fiver you put a fiver on if you put a fiver on us throwing that away you say you're mad it's not going to happen so um, I need to watch it again to work out what we did really wrong but it's just it happens too often Bill you know we're, we're, we, we, we should have won that game we should have been ahead um, and we've, we've fluffed it so Loftus Road on Monday night, underneath the lights, um, not very many QPR fans were left there and six minutes after, into extra time, when they lobbed the ball into the penalty area and somehow managed to kick the ball into the back of the net. We have got no idea how. To be fair, there was a lot of singing too soon going on in the Brentford end. I was, uh, I was one of the people that was responsible for that. I, was, I took part of that as well. I was singing too soon. Laney was singing too soon. The Liberal League was singing too soon. We were all singing too soon. Even when their goal went in, we actually laughed at their goal. We went, ha, ha, ha. They've got a, a goal in extra time. What's that going to do? And, uh, yeah, we weren't happy about that at all. But I tell you something, when that second goal went in, there was a lot of unhappiness that went down. And we've heard what the fans had to say on the podcast earlier in the pub. We've had a couple of days to think about it now. Does it get any better, Laney? Well, yeah, I agree with you. We were, we were all singing how, how West London was ours. Um, and then I was tweeting something and I looked up and I heard some sort of roar or well some sort of noise from the other end and, as, and this isn't, well, wasn't a roar this, isn't, no this, range, is, this isn't actually taking the piss this isn't actually taking the piss but I didn't actually think that um, you know there was it didn't actually sound like there was a goal um, so I, I kind of I realised it was they, someone said what's happened I said what's happened and someone said oh it's a goal um, but then there was a penny drop moment a few, I thought shit there's time for them to get something back and I, I didn't honestly think they could do that um, but they only bloody well did and um, it, it felt like it felt like literally I don't know it felt like the plug had been pulled out of my back it was like I, I've gone from euphoric to numb and um, I, I, I don't I don't know I've never I've never really felt like that I, I, I'd witnessed some sort of nightmare miracle thing a liberal I know you've probably talked about the experience but I'm just I mean Laney talked about the, the plug being pulled out his back and how upset he was how did that compare to the interesting trot, uh, trotter Fulham player incident when he hit the crossbar do you think that was worse or, or, or better uh, the uh, trotter incident was worse by a mile I mean because that you just you know you 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 couldn't see it happening on Monday night. We were so much better than Rangers. Um, last time, I, last time for a while, I was on the podcast. I was being bullied for talking about the fact that we lacked a bit of um, nous. We sometimes needed to go a bit more direct. We needed to go long ball. What has happened to the idea of taking a ball into the corner and sitting on it? You know, there we literally were. just sitting on the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Sawyer's should have sat on the ball and try to get people to kick kick him off it. You know, anything like that. I don't understand why, as a team, we're always looking at playing the beautiful game. You've got to, fine. You've got a goal down. It's not hindsight. It's what I've been saying. We don't have that grit and determination. We're always looking to play the beautiful game sometimes you just need to be dirty you need to be get down you need to 
play the percentages. We did none of that on Monday night. We threw away a winning position because our players were always looking for that extra flick, that extra touch, that extra sort of, that's you not, know. That's not why we threw it away. We threw it away because we can't defend long ball. And I, I, we played a beautiful counter-attacking game and QPR were at home. They were always going to have pressure. They were, they, you know, we don't ever expect to go to QPR or Fulham or any of those like local derbies and not expect us to be under the cosh. We lost. We we threw, we lost a really a winnable lead because either our goalkeeper isn't tall enough or he started flapping at crosses or whatever whatever way we've been coached to deal with long ball isn't working. The, the, the tactics of counter-attacking that was what you know we, we were pushing and pushing trying to we were pushing to go for a third because that's the way we play football the fact we can't defend is, is a different way to the way we play football you know separate the two but the fact that we play a counter-attacking football is not why we not, not, not why we lost a two-goal lead we lost a two-goal lead because we are shocking with long ball crosses and our goalkeeper has started making mistakes and for whatever reason Whoever tries to um, coach or to, to iron this problem out is fading. It, they're, they're two different problems. Sam, Sammy, Sammy. I mean, I know Fulham fan, but you were watching it. You had and you had a different view than us because we were on the terraces, and sometimes you see things that we don't see. I haven't had a chance to watch the game back on television as yet. Do the full old analysis, but you probably saw a lot of things that you do. And I, I know Fulham fan, but obviously you can get a, a slightly unbiased view. Your view on that match and what went right and wrong. It was exactly the same as what happened to Fulham at the end of September at Loftus Road. It, apart from we didn't concede the second goal. So we went into a 2-0 lead. We took the lead just before half-time through Fredericks. And again, like we weren't brilliant, but we were playing counter-attacking football. And we got our second on about 80th minute. Stephanie Hansen scored it. We also missed a penalty, but that's by the by. And we looked into the 90th minute, comfortable now, being a lot of stoppages in that game because one of our players, Shea Ojo, picked up quite a serious shoulder injury. It took him a long time to get him off the pitch. So it was about 10 minutes of added time um, that came up. And they scored in the first minute of it. Long ball into the box and we had nine minutes of stoppage time with which to try and defend and QPR had so many chances very similar to what you had the other night they kept pumping it along and we just couldn't keep the ball in their half of the pitch whenever we even cleared it it would just go straight back to um, one of their centre backs and they would just fire it back into the box and we were really really struggling and so nearly if you watched it on Sky it was on a Friday night similar to you guys you'll remember 96th minute and Alex Smithies Smithies <laughs> he jumped highest at a corner he connected with it and he was so close to scoring and they would have been on the pitch with it so apart from the fact that ours in our match fortunately it went wide of the post and for you guys unfortunately knocked it down and it went in it was exactly the same and we've got that soft underbelly as well that we can't seem to hold leads very well and we've only really started this season to kind of counteract that problem of throwing away leads very easily we haven't done it quite to the same extent that you have but I just saw an exact replica of what on, on Monday night I'm just, and I've got to ask a question obviously you had QPR and you had Brentford playing Seriously, which one of them two teams did you want to win? Oh, exactly what happened was perfect. Exactly what happened was undeniably perfect because I didn't want either team to really win because you're in a similar position, so I didn't want you, but either to, you to get the three points. 
but for you guys to lose it in the kind of crushing way that you did and have your morale knocked off for Saturday was was undeniably perfect from a full perspective. It couldn't got any better. I I wouldn't have been I wouldn't been able to write it better. I'll just ask you. It's a Fulham fans. Who do you hate more, Fulham or QPR? Uh, Brentford or QPR? Oh, sorry, Brentford or QPR. Oh, I, it's one of the hardest questions. Historically, QPR, but in the past few seasons, I think Brentford have been far more annoying than QPR. I think I'm going to be more fired up for Saturday than I was for the game at Loftus Road. Going back to going back to the, the tactics, it's like a, a case of you literally don't do not throw the bathwater out with a baby. You've got to identify what the problems are, right? You've got to, you've got to identify what the problems are. Uh, let's call it out. The, the, the last three, the three games that I can think of when we've when we've thrown leads away, or we 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 created our own misfortune. Sunderland's Bentley punched one into the back of his own net. Burton, um, their equaliser came. He came out. He hesitated. It, it, it was a it was a like panic panic stations. And then on, on Q, uh, QPR, he, he, he has to be culpable for one, if not both, of the goals. So you don't change the way, you don't change this beautiful flowing attacking football where you create the most chances in the world and when, when, you're, when you're scoring goals it, it all looks beautiful. You don't change that, you, 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 you either get a taller goalkeeper or you have a sub, or, or a replacement goalkeeper or a, a, a B, B goalkeeper that can come in. At the moment I don't think we've got that. We, we need to be able to swap out Bentley. It's like, you know, I'm, I feel really sorry for him. To, to, I feel sorry for him because last year he was brilliant. Um, and I honestly thought, and I honestly think, he's destined for greater things. And we thought England, etc. But, you know, is he, is he just not tall enough? I don't, I, I don't know. And I, 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 I don't, I'm not, I don't want to see him out of the team because I've got massive, massive admiration for him. But if it's part of the dealing with the, 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 the absolute problem, which is we can't deal with huge crosses when you've got a six foot five striker coming in, we need a six foot five keeper that can help jump in. Again, and I'm just coming back because it's, this question has been going around, but you say, you know, is he not tall enough? I'm not being funny, but the, the QPR goal, he came in and he decided to punch it, and the punch wasn't good enough. So I don't think it's a matter of height; it's a matter of how you how you deal with it, or it's decision making, or it's confidence. You know, on his day, he takes them all day long, or he punches it over, but it's not going for him at the moment. And we've got no one else to come in and and make him have a breather for a couple of weeks and get him to work on it. You know, he's first choice. That's it. There is no second choice. That's interesting you say that as well, because the word's been going around, and a lot of people have been asking the question. Like a couple of people sort of tweeted it to me, and also messaged us as well saying Dan Bentley you know do we drop him do we you know do we you know but, but, you, but you're saying we can't no I don't think we can we've got Ellery, Ellery Balkum which is getting great props and playing for England under 17s um, but uh, well I don't I don't know who else there is oh, we've, got, oh, we've got the guy that comes in from Scunthorpe but you know it, it doesn't seem to be an option. He doesn't seem to be breathing down. Breathing, breathing, he, he seems to be he's number one, and there is there is no there is no there is no there is no backup. It doesn't seem that way. You know me. I'm very reluctant to criticise any individual player. Good evening, Harley. How are you? Hope you hope you're well in Birmingham. But we have thrown away 18 points from winning positions this season. 
if we hadn't thrown it, we would be second in the league if we hadn't hadn't done that. And while I agree with Dave's points about Bentley, I also think that we need to look at the centre backs and, and why, for instance, and the substitutions were were weird actually. On why didn't we? If quite clear that we needed to shore up our centre midfield, and that's where we're looking. We. We, when, in, when we made the substitutions, we just brought on other ball players. What we should have been done was looking to play the game out. And you know, and I think it was the Allard who made the very good suggestion to me in the pub afterwards. Is that what we ought to have done? Is brought on Chris Meppham, you know, because Meppham very strong. Uh, Wales under 21 captain, if you don't know, really good player, um, going to be a real prospect in future. And play him in front of our rather weak centre backs, you know, because. Bentley is getting no support from them at all. Long ball comes in, centre backs panic, Bentley panics, in it goes, you know, and we're 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 in real real difficulties about this. We've got to find some way of shoring up the games. And I, you know, Dean Smith, it was his hundredth game on Monday night, wasn't it? We've had 35 wins in those hundred games. You've got to start thinking about what is he saying to the players, how is he working on the teams, how is he showing them how to play out games you know they're young they're, they're, some of them are inexperienced it's somebody like Dean need, Dean Smith needs to come in and say this is what we do it's interesting I mean obviously we brought, we brought Bentley and we were very excited when he came in big prospect obviously still doing the learning game but the player that lost out at the time was David Button so Button left he went to Fulham well Button was at Brentford he tried to play a bit of a game with Brentford to try and get more money out of them next minute Burnley turned up um, Bentley turned up and then Button had no choice he had to move on now interestingly Button had a bit of a dodgy period at Fulham for a time so all of a sudden it was Button then it was was it Bertinelli so yeah so between the two of them one was in for a time then another was in for the time but you had sort of two inverted commas high class goalkeepers at a club at one time fighting for that same position now interestingly with Brentford it's like all of a sudden it's up you bring Bentley um, you, you bring um, Bentley in and Button's got to go. Whereas some of the things that you're saying there is that technically maybe we should be in a position where we have a, a Button and a Bentley at the same time and they're fighting out for that position. Because if we're looking to go to that next level, should that be where we're at? I mean, how does it work for you at Fulham? The problem is, is yes, we do have two top quality goalkeepers. I would trust Marcus Bessinelli and David Button to be between the sticks for Fulham. I wouldn't really want to have uh, to look too much lower than that, although we do have a couple of prospects coming through the academy. The problem with those two players is they're, 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 they're the exact same. And I think if you looked at them on Football Manager, they would be almost identical in terms of statistics. You look at their numbers, both great at shot stopping, quite uh, okay at um, claiming the ball, both quite poor at distribution. So we have two very similar goalkeepers, but yeah, I guess it does keep one on the other's toes. And I think nowadays, clubs looking upwards as you guys are this is undoubtedly do need to have two solid options between the sticks okay but it is hard though to get a good backup goalkeeper because any goalkeeper with any ambition i would say would rather be starting for a team in league one than being on the bench for a team in the championship and that's the problem that you have especially in the goalkeeping department where often changes aren't too frequent and if I was a goalkeeper and I saw a quality player like Bentley who had a brilliant season last season for you guys I would be thinking do I want to go to Brentford where I'm likely to be on the bench 
underneath Bentley. Mark's best name is a bit of a different case because he was already at Fulham and he's also a very young keeper as well that is also maturing into a decent goalkeeper but nothing too special. So yeah, it is good having two backup goalkeepers but David Barton's not doing terribly well at the moment. He's probably, I'd say, one of the most unpopular players in the side currently. I don't think it's very fair, the criticism that's being laid at Barton. A lot of it is down to his distribution, which is not the best, but also some of the fingers can be laid at Slavas to the way he sets up the team and wants to play the ball out the back. Listen, coming back to the QPR game, Holloway. I mean, we've got to talk about that. I mean, at the end of the day, listen, we've had history with Holloway. He's put us down for relegation. He says all sorts of strange things. Holloway is in the world to himself. I'm coming back at that game. We're back inside the pub and we're a bit gutted. But all of a sudden, we found out that Holloway, to me, he took a gloss off the QPR fans' draw because they come back and they come back from nowhere and they've drawn and they should be all jubilation. But for him to have gone and, A, slated the QPR fans and then slated the Brentford fans as well for celebrating too soon. Um, I, I thought, as, personally, I thought that was a bit of a fluff, Laney. More than a bit of a fluff. He's just a bit, he's a, he proves what an idiot he is. Like, he, 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 should, he should have just been mighty relieved and just like shut his gob. He can't, he can't shut his mouth. That's the thing. He couldn't even actually articulate what he, what he meant. Because he said about um, the QPR fans, basically, he, he, what he meant to say was, the ones that left early, if that's what you want, don't come back on Saturday. And he, he, didn't, he, he couldn't say it pro- properly. He, he said something, I, I don't know what he actually said, but that's what he meant. He meant, like, stay away. And I, really? There was, there was hardly any of them there anyway. I mean, it was, it was a very, very low... Monday night attendance for them. Okay, it was on telly. It was a Monday night. You know, so it, perhaps they don't see Brentford as a big game. You know, whatever. I don't. I don't care. But you know, there was big swathes of blue seats to our right, which haven't been there the last you know three or four visits. Um, and their fans went early, humiliated, and um, we 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 demolished them pretty much. Yes, they had 15 minutes of pressure. Yes, they were the home team and of course they should have had pressure and they should have made life difficult for us. But we coped with it. You know, we, we played great attacking football. Canos was majestic. Vibe's goals were out of the top draw. Um, we, we showed that we, we, we were in a very good position, actually, if you look about it. Obviously, yeah, obviously like, I'm gutted that we gave, gave the win away, but our problems are glaringly obvious. You know, we're not we're not having to we're not like a, a, someone coming in like a new manager that has to come in and literally transform the few, the fortunes and the squad of a whole club. Literally, we have to work out how we deal with long ball. But time and time again, we're getting caught out by that long ball. Yes, but that's what we need to solve. I'm not saying, looking forward, not looking back. Why haven't we solved it yet? I don't know, we haven't, but that's what I'm saying. It's, it's still glaringly obvious. Yeah, I, I blame the coaches, I blame the players, and I blame the goalie. But you know, we, we can't we can't ball them all out. You know, they're they're, they're young and they're learning. You know, we, we are we are always susceptible to um, um, inexperience because we are an inexperienced team. You know, yet you maybe you say Bieland is is he should be maybe he should be marshalling that defence more. He's the one that's got the experience. But you know, we. I agree with you. You know, we, we've been we've been calling the same problem out and, and and shoddy defending for four seasons now. 
every podcast we've done, we've talked about in our Achilles heel, we're weak at the back. No, ma- no matter who we choose across the back, whether it's a four, or a three, or a five, we 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 leak goals, and that's the, the only thing that bails us out is the fact that we're good at playing football and we score lots of goals. If we stop playing the way we do and just um, and, and we we went defensive, we're, we're fucked. You know, we've got to keep on playing the way we do and solve the problem. It's like having a Lamborghini outside. It's a beautiful, beautiful machine. The only problem is it's got a dented back light and a, and a, and a, and a, and a flat tyre. You know what you've got to solve? It's, it's, it's obvious. You don't, you, don't, you don't change it for a full Mondeo. It's brand new. But you change the bits that are broken. The bits that are broken or the obvious faults are the ones that are glaringly obvious. And we need a midfielder that's def- more defensive. Why, why your Lamborghini has got a, 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 a dented back and a, and a, and a flat tyre, you, so, you need to drive around in something and therefore you might want a Ford Mondeo. And perhaps the time has come... you're saying we need to change our style. Perhaps the time has come just to be a bit sort of realistic is to start thinking about how we are going to hold on to the lead and how we are going to actually play. It's quite glaring. We've said this for ages and ages. We don't have, we don't have a defensive central midfielder it's well, fantastic we thought it was we thought it was, was Boccaccio but it, it's not emerged that he's that he's called the general but he doesn't he's not he's not quite the general as in a, a McCormack or a Douglas I'm not, and I, I'm not I don't for one minute or one millisecond want those two players back but he's not that kind of general um, and I, I, it's the, the DOFs they have to they have to solve this with the coaches you know again it's the it's the it's the elephant in the room the elephant on the training ground yeah. you know it's clear where the problem is they have to solve it and the pro- the problem is is that we always we are raving about the quality of our players and the really exciting stuff when it works it's really exciting to watch but i'm a bit of a pragmatist i'm saying let's hunker down for a bit let's get let's get ourselves into a position where we're winning games and then we can build on the success of our really creative and exciting players and make a push because we're still we're still in time we're still in time to get to the playoffs spot on spot on but let's not let's not say the whole the whole squad shit and the whole way we play football shit because of the 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 things that actually are shit there are there are as I said glaring weaknesses in our team glaring we all know what they are and they have to deal with them but let's not let's not chuck the bathwater out with a baby on it Sammy I mean Fulham fan um, watches them a lot you play pretty football quite like us in fact from what I can gather as well you look at our Brentford play they go oh my god they're a bit like us you know um, problems at the back sometimes pass the ball around a lot try to walk the ball into the back of the net um, are you going to be playing long ball on Saturday no we won't and unless Slav's listening to this podcast and has a revolutionary change of mind he won't because he's very stuck to his principles and we play possession football we'll always try and have more possession than the opposition I think it'll be really interesting on Saturday to see who does come out on top in the possession states and we will never change from our philosophy of playing out the back and trying to play through you see what happens when you're 2-0 down we won't we will never ever change it and we don't have the personnel to do it and I don't want to it is just frustrating sometimes when you do have leads that you need to hold on to and we get and this this division is so difficult when you are in the lead because all teams do is like right we're 1-0 down we're 2-0 down 
Let's bring on the big striker and let's hit it up long. And that's what teams in this division do week after week after week. And unless you know how to deal with it, Wolves play pretty football. They play beautiful football. They're one of the best teams I've seen at this level since we got relegated. They are unbelievable. But they also have a back line that I bet you can deal with teams like Sheffield United, can deal with teams like Cardiff that are going to go long every time, can deal with teams like Millwall and will bat them away. And unfortunately, the problem that we seem to have, and at the moment you seem to have a little bit more than us, but give it a few weeks, we'll be having the same discussion on my podcast, don't you worry, is how to deal with these teams that just go long and just have one way of playing football when they're when they're losing. We won't, if we're two 0 down, we won't change it, and that could uh, that is obviously a, a brilliant way to play. I love the philosophy, but if we do start losing on Saturday, we won't change it. We'll come back to all this conversation in a minute. We'll talk about Fulham, the Liberal. That's why that's why Fulham and Brentford will be battling out for somewhere between seventh and thirteenth in the Championship this season because somebody like Neil Warnock, boo hiss. Chris Wilder as a newer manager boo hiss because of some of the football he plays they know how to grind out a result Warnock you know I'm glad we don't watch Cardiff every day every week it would be absolutely distressing but Cardiff will be there or thereabouts at the end of the season and I think Chris Wilder is is more of that championship manager they they know how to grind out those results to get themselves into a position where if they're not automatic promotion at least they'll be in the playoffs because they're prepared to play if it takes grit if it takes determination then they're prepared to change their style and that's what's important us and Fulham by the sounds of it are, pre- are not prepared to compromise our principles and therefore we'll remain in the championship we've had long debates about this on our show is what would you prefer would you prefer to just get promoted at all costs playing long ball football playing efficient football playing route one football whatever you want to call it or would you rather be entertained like you clearly are like we are every week but the results don't come through what would what would you prefer and i think pretty much on the whole we all went for the latter we would rather watch good football and just hope that one year it clicks yeah, I'm with you on that 100%. Any, anyone that listens to me every week knows that I'd rather, I'd rather see my team lose trying to win than, um, than be kind of just like overly clever and just like play functional, ugly football. I, I, I don't, I don't want to watch, you know, I don't want to watch QPR playing hoofball every week. That's not, that's not, there's nothing visionary about that. And that's not how we're going to develop the players that, of the future or, 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 you know, develop players that we can, we we can sell, which is the Brentford model. Ultimately, you know, we, we need to we need to produce technically gifted players that can either take us to the top, or we can sell for massive amount of money. Six six foot six foot seven six foot seven giant gloops aren't aren't the way forward, and I don't want to watch that football. Not at all. But listen, just coming back to the QBR game, and like I said to you, it pains us to say, but we just got to talk about it. Obviously. QBR scored a last-minute winner. Well, actually, it wasn't quite a winner because it was actually a draw. But if you speak to all the QBR fans, they were celebrating like it was a win, which which is lovely for us because it's a turnaround because the fact that QBR are celebrating drawing against Brentford is actually a very, very good thing. But I'm just going to go around the table here as well. Lads, can you think of any last-minute, inverted commas, winner goals that actually cause complete and utter euphoria in something that uh, a game that you're involved in? Liberal. Uh... 
my the, the famous story I have is actually the slight, slightly the reverse. Is my is my stepfather leaving the 1966 World Cup final with two minutes to go, convinced that England were about to win because he he had a um, he had, my mother had told him that he had to be back for my sister's um, my stepsister's uh, birthday party um, that was the same day as the World Cup final, and so he left with two minutes to go of the World Cup final, where we were leading. He walked away, thought England had won the World Cup final. I don't need to see them celebrating. Everybody else knows the history of that. <laughs> Indeed. Sammy. So what's this? Um, moments like goals last I've missed? Last minute. Winners, last minute, last minutes. That I've missed? Oh no, just any, anyone that you know, that you've experienced. I mean, uh, there's there's plenty. I've, I've seen plenty at the, uh, at the wrong end, some at the right end. I mean, we give you the most joy? Most joy from a last minute. Um, it wasn't quite last minute, it was towards the end of the game. It's for Fulham fan, it's always got to be getting to the Europa League final against Hamburg, final 10 minutes and scoring that winner to, to go to Hamburg, to go to the final. I think it's 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 the pinnacle and always will be. And I, I genuinely don't think it'll ever be topped in my lifetime. And I've still got quite a long part of it left, hopefully. Excellent. Excellent. And I've got one as well, because I'm talking about, I remember we went down to Swindon. It was the Anglo-Italian Cup and we we're playing Swindon in the Anglo-Italian Cup. And we needed to win that match, if I remember rightly, so that we went to the international leg. So the Brentford will be playing in the international um, and they'll be playing Ascoli and uh, Cezana, I think it was. And it'll be the first time that the Breeze were going to go abroad. We were very excited. We were going to home and away, away every game that season. We thought we, we, we want to go abroad with Brentford, shoes in the air. And uh, and I think were, I think we were drawing. I can't remember what the score was. We were drawing and it was still all and we were out. We weren't going to happen. And at the last minute, I think Kevin Godfrey rose up and headed the ball into the last, into the back of the net in the very last minute. Kevin Godfrey in the last minute at Swindon. And all... 27 of us Brentford fans or whatever there was there <laughs> went absolutely berserk and it was fantastic and we all booked our tickets to Ascoli and we stayed in Italy for a whole week and we had a very nice time and that was a lovely lovely time Laney any any last minute winners that you can think about at all I know you'll have to think quite hard I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head about this one this one this one this one's probably well this one's like not many people will probably remember this this goes back this probably goes back like two years or so um, it was on a. It was on a. It was an evening game. Friday, was it? it was, I think it was a Friday night. Yeah, and um, it was a. I can't remember the opposition. They were playing in white. I think. I think it might have been. Might have been Fulham. Yellow. yellow. Might have been Fulham or something like that. Fulham. 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 And they they gone a goal up. If I remember rightly, I don't remember this very clearly. It wasn't an important game. And then uh, Harley Dean is one of Nick's mates. He he, he scored a he scored a, an equaliser. And then uh, right, right at the last minute, right in the last minute, Yotta got his beautiful ball. It was floated out to the out, out wide, out on the right, and he and he took the took the ball in, cut in as he always did and does, or not did rather did, um, and then. Um, Smashed the ball into the back of the net, and, <laughs> and the place went mental. And and uh, he did it again at Craven Cottage, apparently. Yeah. And, and, and you were very happy with that. Uh, yeah, I don't remember it massively, but it was brilliant. Sammy, Sammy, do you remember that one? I do remember that one. Interesting. Anyway, anyway, we will move on from that. <laughs> no, interestingly, the game at Griffin Park didn't hurt. The game at Griffin Park didn't hurt. The game at Craven Cottage hurt. Oh, the full one. Far more, way more. The game at Griffin Park was out here, one in the last minute. It was your big day. You, you scraped it, and we still thought we were. That was we, when you underestimated us, wasn't it? About the three 0 
the, yeah, the three nil didn't hurt anywhere near as much. <laughs> Honestly, the game at Craven Cottage is one of my lowest ever moments as a Fulham fan. And it was when, I was thinking about this earlier, it's when this rivalry was rekindled. Because we just didn't care about you. We just didn't. Like, even when we got relegated to the championship, you got promoted, bees up, Fulham down, blah, blah, blah. It's a good song, though, isn't it? It's a great song. And one day we'll sing uh, Bees Down, Fulham Up. It will. No, you won't. It, we will. We will. It will happen. It's a rhyme. It doesn't matter. Um, but that happened. I was like, whatever. And even QPR getting promoted to the Premier League in our place. Actually, were you singing it for us? No, 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 it's okay. <laughs> I haven't got much of a singing voice. But the Fulham-Brentford rivalry was rekindled on that 4-1. Because when you won at Griffin Park, it was like, all right, whatever. You got your big win in your big cup final. But we thought you'd relegated us that day. And we thought you were going up. And so that was just... That was just the nadir. That was the nadir. It was just all over. I just, I just had no energy as a Fulham fan left after that game it was such a low and that's when I think our rivalry was rekindled because no longer it was like we don't care about Brentford we wanted to hurt you after that we wanted to win every single time if it just made if it just made up for that one horrible afternoon on Easter Monday it was the only time I've actually Craven Cottage we were bouncing that stand, do you remember that stand bouncing up and down? It was, it was actually frightening. That, that, the McKenna sort of cheap Absolutely. stand that, that, that's yeah, going to fall right. apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they obviously, have, you know, Fulham are never used to supporters, uh, away supporters being so excited in that time. But I really did think I was going to go launch myself into the River Thames, the bouncing of that, that stand. It's literally to this day, it was a frightening stand. And I wish we'd videoed that last section because the, the, the fear that there was on the face there, you've gone white, you've gone white describing that game, just brings it all back, it was brilliant. So listen, we're going to talk more about the Fulham game and the Brentford game and all sorts of stuff, and, and hopefully Sammy's not going to feel so, so, so nervous about things, like, you know what I'm saying? But then you never know. But we've got more things to talk about after this twang. So this last week, there's been a massive initiative by the FL, by football clubs all over the place, highlighting the cause of the LGBT community. Um, trying to make people a little bit more accepting of LGBT within football is a bit of a problem. And as, if you've got any mates out there, LGBT, they say, mm, I might be a little bit nervous going to football matches at times because some of the things people say, some of the attitudes, um, they may not necessarily know that I'm LGBT, but I am, and it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. So this week, massive highlights rainbow armbands, rainbow laces, rainbow flags. There's been all sorts of stuff that's been going on. And uh, it's been, on the whole, very positive. Or has it? Myself, Laney, the Allard, loads of us of the podcast crew, we've had a couple of conversations about this last weekend in the pub as to exactly how effective this campaign has been. But I'll tell you something, before we actually discuss this around the table here, we thought we'd actually go to speak to somebody who knows a lot about this campaign knows a lot of what's going on it's Gemma from Brentford LGBTs and that's the Brentford LGBT um, she, she founded Brentford LGBT community and their little supporters group but let's listen to what Gemma had to say and then we'll come back after this Twain Britain's top sports stars are getting behind a campaign to support lesbian gay bisexual and trans people in sports England's Premier League and the EFL are amongst the bodies backing Stonewall's Rainbow Laces campaign as matches kick off around the country 
on Saturday and Sunday. It's been happening all week, so it happened from last Saturday all the way through to the week to this Saturday. This is a whole week of activity. And as well as rainbow-coloured laces and armbands for team captains, the Premier League has introduced bespoke rainbow branding to its ball pins, match flags and the pitch flags and handshake boards and all sorts of stuff. Anyway, we were discussing this this week and we thought this is really interesting how the profile of this has been risen a lot. And we thought to find out a little bit more about it, why don't we speak to Gemma, the founder of Brentford's LGBT group, the LGBTs, and find out what's been going on. Gemma, how are you? Hello, I'm all right. How are you? I'm very well, actually. I'm very well. I've, I've, I've recovered from Monday night where I presumed something was going to happen. And I was going to go oh, home smiling. You're better than me. I I'm, <laughs> I've not recovered. Oh, dear. But anyway, we'll, we'll put that behind us because we've got another big game on Saturday. We'll talk about that later in the show. But... Let's just talk all about the activity this week, because there's been a lot of activity going around in the UK. But first of all, LGBTs. A lot of people out there have probably not even heard of LGBTs. What is LGBTs? Okay, so we're the fan group um, for basically these fans, Brentford fans, from the LGBTQ community, and also for those who want to show you know, their support to, to those fans. Um, we don't have we don't have a membership as such at the moment, although I'm trying to get that up and running. We've got about 500 Twitter followers um, at the moment, which we're hoping to grow. But basically, we're there to show some visibility, both for people who might be LGBT, who are Brentford fans, and also so that other people in in the in the ground also and the players know that we're there. Okay, that's good. That's, that's positive as well because obviously you've got a place for people who go, who they, uh, you know, friends that they can actually kind of relate to and just, you know, just hang out and go to football matches as well. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, we've put people in touch who want to not go to games on their own or want to meet up. Sometimes, to be honest, it's just a, it's just as simple as, as knowing that someone's not alone. I mean, the number of, when we set up the Twitter account, the number of people that actually just sent us a quick message saying, you know, I've been going X number of years, and I, honestly, I thought I was the only one. And we had actually so many <laughs> of those; it was it was quite shocking, to be honest. You know, yeah. you have people there thinking that they're the only person in this position, and everyone else is different to them. Okay, we, we're able to show that they're not. Okay, which is which is cool. So, listen, we've got a big campaign this week. EFL's getting on board, Brentford Football Club is getting on board, lots of people are getting on board. The Rainbow Laces campaign, which has been going for a number of years now, but it's starting to grow and snowball a bit. So tell us, what is Rainbow Laces all about? Okay, so the Rainbow Laces campaign is run by the LGBT charity Stonewall, which probably some people will have heard of. Um, they're a general LGBT charity. They're not football-based like uh, Kick It Out or Fans for Diversity or Pride in Football, but they're, they're, they're there anyway. And the aim of it is basically to get people who play and watch sport to show solidarity with the LGBT community with the aim of helping kind of increase understanding, I suppose, and, you know, ultimately reduce and eliminate uh, LGBT-phobic abuse and, and, and language used in sport. Some people are going to turn around and I'm going to use the phrase, they say, this is political correctness gone mad. And they question as to whether players or anyone has to do this to show support. I mean, why, why does this have to happen? It always makes me laugh. Have you seen politics lately? I think there's a good <laughs> argument that PC is dead if it ever did live. But on, on this particular issue, you know, no one should feel that they have to do anything. You know, the point here is to show support and to show solidarity. That's a choice. It has to be a choice. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. 
Um, what isn't a choice and shouldn't be a choice is the use of LGBT phobic language and abuse at games and in society. I mean, you know, that that's clear. But if people don't want to wear the laces, then, then sure, they don't have to. But the impact of that on LGBT community, people in that community that are fans, when they see that and they see that support, is enormous and... You don't, you don't have to do it. Nobody has to do it, but it, it does matter to people. It, I mean, it does matter, but it's interesting you say that because it's a bit of a sort of chicken and the egg situation. Obviously, you've got a scenario where, you know, the most important thing is for people not to be having, you know, to be abusive language, to basically make people feel comfortable. If you go to a football match, you're saying you need to be feel comfortable. So maybe a, a, a black football fan for years, I did feel uncomfortable going to football, but I still went, and eventually I got through it, and things have got better through the years. Um, as times have changed, again, with LGBT, again, I know LGBT friends who say that they feel comfortable at times, um, when they're uncomfortable at times when they go to football matches, and they want things to change. In fact, I've actually done, even done a film recently for Kick It Out, where we interviewed the, the Leicester um, Proud Foxes, and they told us about a lot of their experience about how uncomfortable they felt going to football, but the way that they get through with it. So, surely... I think with something, a campaign like this, the more people that get behind it and support it, um, the better for you because you feel that you've got people with your back as such. Don't you think so? Absolutely. I think, I think there's, two, there's two sort of aspects to it. One is people need to, who are in that community, actually to a degree, some of us need to be a little bit braver and stand up and say, do you know what, we're here. We've always been here but now you can see us, and that's quite a scary thing to do, and it was quite a scary thing to do, actually, to set up the group. We didn't know how it was going to go. And then for, for, for the other people, the people who are in the majority, you know, for them to say, okay, so you're here. We're happy. You're okay. We're not going to attack you. We're not going to call you, you know, all, all, all these names. We're not going to do that. That's all right. And, and this, this process, this, this process of, of everyone waves rainbows and people say, oh, God, why are we doing this again? It needs to be done because it needs to be gone through because if you've been made unwelcome, then the welcoming process has to be a little bit different than if you've turned up and you've always been welcome. Last Saturday, there's a few of our Beast crew, which, again, we've talked about in this podcast. We actually, uh, Brentford weren't playing, so we actually went to my second love, which is Dulwich Hamlet. So a load of us went over there, saw the game, which is a good love. We sat in the pub afterwards, and we were actually discussing the whole Rainbow Laces campaign. And we were sitting there, and all the results were coming in. They showed clips from games. And we were actually actively looking out, going, is he wearing Rainbow Laces? Is he wearing Rainbow Laces? Has anyone always got the armband on? And the amount of players that we didn't see wearing the Rainbow Laces actually quite upset us. But we just thought... What's the point, you know, if you've got a campaign like this, but players don't seem to be necessarily backing it, then what's the point? And I'm just wondering, from your perspective, what are your thoughts? Are you slightly disappointed by this, or do you still think that there's been positive movements? Um, I think it's a tricky one. I think it's a tricky one, particularly with players. I mean, yeah, the, the, the first couple of years when, you know, we, we maybe messaged some players and said, hey, we'd love you to wear these laces. I don't know if you've been contacted we contacted the club everyone basically ignored us and it was quite depressing as we get to learn more about it okay you look and you say these laces hilariously apparently don't really work for sports people in their boots so apparently if you're an elite footballer these these really really long rainbow laces and if you've got them you'll know they're really really long you know don't don't really work for you and actually some players don't even have laces in their boots and so we get you come up against all these all these random little reasons why not. And I think, personally, that's why the campaign now actually includes the armbands, it includes the flags, it includes all the other stuff, 
because the simple thing, which would be players wearing laces, for many, many reasons, isn't happening. And so support is shown in other ways. Where I'm disappointed, if anything, is when, okay, you don't wear the laces, but as a player, what, what do you do to support? You know what I mean? What do you do to show support? Um, and that's where there's maybe been a little bit of silence. So what, so what can they do to show support? I'm just asking you, just, just throwing it out there. As a fan, you come there, you've been supporting Brentford for, what, 25-plus years. You go there week in and week out, up and down the country, cold, wind, rain. You've seen us lose and lose to QPR. <laughs> lose and lose, and lose like yeah. <laughs> so What is a really simple thing that they can do? Do you know, it's funny because it's all really, really small things. You could put your rainbow laces in your trainers and tweet a picture and say, here, I've got you. You could, I mean, even something as simple as giving a shout out to the group or retweeting one of our posts or, you know, maybe giving something away. Everything we've seen so far from the club, and there's been some great things, has been more or less mandated. I and mean, the problem with that is you get people think that players don't aren't in support. And I don't actually believe that that's true. But, you know, you know what young guys are like. They're not usually all that keen to stand out from the pack. And I think we need just something tiny because, honestly, it is the tiniest, tiniest actions that will make a massive difference to, to, to the people in our group. Listen, just quickly, I was just talking about because I thought it was quite interesting because Brentford... Um, there's a lot of conversations about Brentford's new crest or their new logo um, uh, last season, which was changed to the big B with the big B sign, and everyone talks about the number of legs that the B should or shouldn't have had and all that lot, but that logo's there in place now. Now, that logo changed to a rainbow B, I think it was last week, and uh, it caused quite a lot of uh, conversation, both positive and negative, didn't it? It did, yeah. I mean, to, to put it in some context for, for, for people, I mean, this is something that's happened with Near enough, near enough. All of the football clubs in certainly in the Premiership and I think uh, Premier League and I think the ESL as well. So certainly a lot of a lot of clubs have done this, and it's it's temporary and well for us it's very positive. The the reactions we saw quite a few uh, negative reactions, particularly on Facebook, of the usual kind. You know things being thrown down people's throats and keep politics out of football and all of those things that that you kind of come to expect and sometimes genuine and sometimes are a cover for homophobia. What I think has been good for us is when you actually look, particularly at Facebook posts, it's overwhelmingly, you know, the, the reactions, the likes and the sad faces and all that are, are overwhelmingly positive. Um, you know, and we're seeing fans now actually coming back to some of these comments and saying, well, no, hang on. You know, there's a reason for this. It's okay. And anyway, it's a rainbow. What's the problem, you know? And that, that was... At first, at first, I was totally depressed by it, but actually, that gave me quite a lot of um, quite a lot of pause once I had a had a bit of a break from it. Because you know, every 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 little chat is someone sort of saying you don't belong, and when there are other people saying no, actually, you do. I don't know. We talk a lot, don't we, about the Bees family, the Brentford family, and you know, in any family, some people some are stronger and some are less strong. I think uh, with stuff like that, it's about just letting someone be and letting someone be part of that family and some of us are pretty strong you know no one no one is going to tell me that after the amount of time and effort I've put into to Brentford FC that I don't belong there but there are plenty of other people where actually you know you say that to them enough times and you start to think, oh, I can't I can't go there this isn't this isn't my place this isn't for me 
you know, it, it's not politics to just let someone live their life when all they're actually doing in living their life, I'm sure there are other things, but it's coming to watch a football match. That's not politics. That's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we're, all, we're, all, we're all football fans. We all, we all work to be able to do that. I mean, the thing, where, where we were two, three years ago, which was nowhere at all, you know, we had in the last, well, even if we just take the 18 months or so since we've set up as a group, you know, we've had the club really engage with the Rainbow Laces and the Football Be Homophobia Month with the programme covers. You know, we've, we've seen, we've seen, we had a giveaway to do. We, the, the, the Wonder Kid event where, you know, some of the first team and, and B team and women's team players came to watch a film okay. about a gay player was phenomenal. That was Wonder Kid, which was a film about a, a gay player coming out and there was a show that Sky TV, supported by Brentford Football Club, they got a load of people down, I don't know, it must have been a couple of hundred people that came down to do that and fully put on by Brentford Football Club and also in association with Fans for Diversity, which is the FSF kick it out as well. So that was quite a big, high-profile event for us to actually got involved in, wasn't it? It was. It was fantastic. And actually, if you did miss it, if you um, have a search on the club website and the Sky Sports website, you can find out about the event. And I think the panel show is on the uh, on the Brentford FC website as well, where you you know you can hear people from the club talking about it and things like that. So that was actually great. That was fantastic. The the trick then is how do we keep that momentum? Because it's one thing doing the big gestures, and the club are fantastic at that. The next thing is, okay, so a fan is subject to homophobic abuse again by another fan. What do we do to support them? And that's the hard stuff. And we're working with the club to try and get better at that. No one's particularly good at it. Um, so we're, you know, we're working and we have support from Pride in Football and Fans of Diversity, you know, actually helping us and helping the club and kick it out as well. So. LGBTs. Brentford LGBT group, which is active and it's there for you and it's reaching out. And if you want to reach out to them, you can do. Jamad, how can they get hold of you? Uh, you can go. You can find us on Twitter. We're also on Insta for when we travel um, away and stuff like that. But the most important thing is we will have a website this week where you can sign up to be on the email list. And then when we have events and we have things, you know, things to do and things to celebrate and probably competitions and stuff, then you'll be you'll be included and involved in that. Okay, wicked. So listen, check com. We'll have news of that when they launch their website and anything else that's going on, we'll put a little article up there and you can link to that straight away. But listen, Gemma, great chatting to you. Forget about Monday and keep your art and all that nonsense. It's all aboard just Saturday in Fulham. Oh, God, I hope we win. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay, I'll catch you on Saturday, yeah? Cheers. See you Saturday. You lose. Some interesting views from Gemma from uh, LGBTs as well and like I said if you want to get hold of them on Twitter LGBT underscore bees as well so that's their uh, that's their Twitter handle and also Facebook LGBT it's a T Brentford <laughs> I know it's difficult isn't it and we'll put this all on besotted.com and uh, we'll also put this on the uh, on the, the, the description of this podcast and also on Insta LGBT underscore Brentford as well and there's an email address lgbwtbrentford at gmail.com so you can get hold of them there but interesting views from Gemma as well she's giving you our heartfelt thoughts about why uh, she sat up the supporters group anybody who's interested who feel like they want to have a somebody who understands and a little group of people that just just you know just go to games together and just help each other out you should definitely get in touch with them but this all came about when we like I said to you we were at Dulwich Hamlet on Saturday we were just um just hanging out just watching the TV 
and uh, we knew the campaign was going on and we were questioning as to how much support was actually being given in reality by the grassroots and by the players and stuff as opposed to being directed from from the authorities and Laney I mean it was it was a bit of a conversation point wasn't it yeah it was, it was. we talked about it for a good half an hour or so I reckon and uh, you know obviously let's let's clear you know the the it goes without sayings out of the way it goes without saying that it's a really positive um, initiative it's a campaign that should be supported by all football clubs it's a campaign that should be helped you know part funded by all football clubs um, I, I, you know, I, it's something that should be encouraged, and let's hope, you know, as Gemma alluded to, that it, it in the, over the last three, what we've seen in the last three years, grows, you know, more and more in the next three and in the next ten. And hopefully, there's a, a player that feels confident and um, able to come out sooner rather than later, and we get kind of a um, a more um, natural um, vibe about football, where you know it represents, you know, society as a whole. That, that being said, I think the whole Rainbow Laces, which it is Rainbow Laces, is, is, the, is, the, is the focus, is fundamentally flawed. Um, unless unless the, the laces, A, a fit the boots, B, the players want to wear, um, C, um, you know, it, 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 they're a free, more freely available and there's enough of them to go round, the, the, the laces themselves are flawed. It's clear that the players have got massive superstitions over their boots. Um, they don't like to ch- whether it's a, whether it's a cop out. I don't know, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt. There's a superstition that most of them have that their boots are kind of sacred, and they won't change anything at all to do with their footwear. Period. Right. So that. If you're if you're setting up a campaign, you kind of go, oh, actually, there's a massive problem here because the, the rainbow laces are the of this unifying symbolic gesture, but no one can wear them because it's. So what do you do instead? So it's either it's either it needs to be an armband, which no one can have a problem about putting a, a rainbow band around their arm. No one can have a problem with that. They do it for black, you know, they do black black armbands when people die. Um, that, that that there is no issue about wearing something around their upper arm. The other alternative is, as we do with poppies, we we replace where the poppy goes on a football kit. You have a rainbow on a football kit, um, and that that that's it. It's really simple. And if a player has got a, a fundamental or a, um, a, a an issue with supporting the campaign, it is their right to not partake in it, and they can peel their they can peel their rainbow off. And then whether there's backlash against that or whether, you know, it should be more difficult and more awkward for them not to take part than it is for them to, to, to take part. And at the moment, it seems to be that it's too, there's too many easy cop-outs, there's too many things to hide behind, there's too many excuses not to fully support something that should be as easy as breathing in and breathing out in 2017. Liberal. It's a disgrace that in this day and age there actually isn't an out and gay, an out football player playing in any of the football leagues um, at the moment. I mean, and I think it's a sad indictment of us as football fans that there are quite clearly people in the game at the moment who have to hide their sexuality. And I think all of us sitting around this table, all of us who ever attend a football match, all of us who watch it on the television or listen to it on the radio need to question ourselves is that there are obviously 
gay men who are not prepared to come out and face that and we've got to ask the question why that is I mean 10 years ago racism existed in football it existed on the terraces it was nasty it was horrible there was a sustained campaign led by supporters led by footballers led by people in the footballing community that kicked racism out of the game and let us not think that racism still doesn't exist it does but now it is totally unacceptable to stand there on the terrace and shout any form of racist abuse at a football player there are still teams, and the classic example is Brighton, that fans, and I'm sorry to say that last time we played Brighton, Brentford fans did it. They let, they, certain chants, certain actions, certain sort of oohs and ahs that were homophobic. They were really disgraceful, and I almost got into a fight actually with somebody at the in, uh, last time we played Brighton away for having a go at them for, for, for saying that it's, in, well, it's interesting you say that as well because I've, I've just like I said to you just done a kick it out video a video for kick it out um, which interviews two fans from Leicester and one of the stories that they talk about is one of the Leicester fans how he brought his at the time his boyfriend down to Brighton and I think it was his first ever football game that he'd been to and he took him down to Brighton and the chant that was going around him made him feel so uncomfortable. Um, you know, does your boyfriend know you're here and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, and he just talked about it. You know, as a matter of fact, he goes to all the Leicester matches, home and away. He's been to Europe and everything like that. But it's interesting because it depicted a scenario where basically he's saying, I support the team like anybody else does, but I'm being made to feel really uncomfortable. Probably very similar to what I did as a black fan when I used to go to all over the place, being all over the world with England. England, you know, different, you know, it's probably the Slovakians and all these other people that made us feel uncomfortable, but especially in the UK when I used to go to Exeter, when I used to go up north and I used to have problems, you felt really, un Burnley, oh my God, what a nightmare that was, feel really uncomfortable. And you sort of think that you're on your own. You're thinking, I'm, I'm, I've got my mates here, but then, you know, they're not really with me because they're all white and I'm black. So if anyone's going to get a kick in, it's me and not them. So you're on your own, right? And I can totally understand what's going on here. And I've talked about it at the Wonder Kid showing a few months ago when I just said that, you know, it's a situation where you need to feel that you've got the backing. You've got the backing of the club, you've got the backing of the people behind you, you've got to empower them, right? And that's the situation there. Sorry, Nibble, I interrupted you. Yeah, no, 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 not at all. And what I would like to see is footballers actually being absolutely more, not choosing whether or not they wear, you know, rainbow laces that may or may not fit their boots. Why aren't we? For instance, every year there, there's at least one game where the players warm up wearing T-shirts saying kick racism out of football. Why isn't it that for the entire month of December all the players are out warming up on the pitch, running around with their training kit, etc., saying kick homophobia out of football? It is an absolute disgrace that homophobia exists in football grounds. And Dave just reminded me as well is that the only time I've had a run-in with B supporters in the last two years was at Villa, when there were B supporters chanting homophobic abuse at another... Well, well, no, sorry, well, it doesn't matter whether it's one or two. It was a B supporter at an away game who was chanting homophobic abuse at the away support. And it's simply not acceptable. And we've got to kick it out. Yeah, I know, I completely... Completely and utterly a million percent agree with Nick, of course. Um, and the, you know, going back to a point that he made rightly is that it is a travesty that there isn't um, uh, a gay player that's actually come out. Um, but I just go back to the you know the flawed campaign. You know, he looks around in his, his dressing room and he's got he's got 11, 11 teammates that 
can't, can't, he can't even he can't even trust to wear rainbow laces, let alone support him and kind of embrace his identity for coming out. He, he, he can't you can't do it with confidence. And I, I also you know um, where I would slightly defend. The, the fans on this is yeah the fans um, at certain clubs have you would worry but I, I my, my biggest concern is the press I think um, if, if a player were to come out I think they'd be hounded so badly I, I, I do I've, 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 not not the not the intellectual press I think there are there are certain newspapers with massive readerships and massive circulation that would make life particularly difficult for them they'd end up being the next I'm a celebrity. Get me. They would. They would cel- celebrity it. It won't be a. It won't be a. Oh, he's a footballer and he's gay. It won't be as matter of fact as that. It will be something a tag to wear around his neck for the rest of his life. It still would be. It would make him a unicorn, not a horse. And you know, it is. It is. It is ma- it, my sexuality, your sexuality, Bill's sexuality, especially after hearing about Denmark last week, is is something that you know is only. It's down to all of us. It's it's like breathing in and breathing out. It's, it's a function. The fact that you like someone who likes the same sex matters niche. I'm going to t- I'll turn around and again, I like to do the devil's advocate thing as well. Um, we've got a lot of people, a lot of listeners down there, a lot of people with different views. Uh, I know there'll be a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people obviously know where we kind of stand, but I'm also going to say there's some people are going to turn around and say, well, actually, you know, I don't agree with it. I don't think it's quite right. I don't I don't understand it. I don't agree with it. They right? have, sorry, that's simply no place for that in modern Britain today. I mean, I just don't understand. If you are, if if you embrace football, if you embrace life, if you embrace culture, you've got to accept people of all genders, of all creeds, of all you know, race, sexuality. It doesn't matter. We're all football fans. Let's not make anything of it. And I do disagree slightly with Dave. Is that I think there are and and you know it's it's beholden on an agent because agents will know which of their which of their players um, you know are having to to lead a hidden life and i actually think and perhaps i'm being naive but having de- dealing with some of the tabloid presses i have done in the past i actually think that people could champion and there will be 16 there'll be boys of 13 14 15 16 who will who need a leader and somebody needs to step up and do it i'm not forcing anybody out but i just hope that within very short when you say a time, leader icon's probably not like the word but i know exactly i know what you mean it's just like again when i was a, a young black kid you used to look up the black footballers who are out there for me when chris kamara joined brentford for me it was the best thing ever because we had no black players i think we had one before that which might have been tony rowe but he was kind of in and out but we didn't have anyone when he joined brentford and he was the don it made such a difference to me because all of a sudden everyone's going he's brilliant Chris Kamara we love him and then it just kind of like gives you a little bit more acceptability and it just it just makes things last a little bit easier I was being devil's advocate when I talked about what I said a bit earlier but what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to highlight other people's views but also I'm trying to highlight what Gemma said on the piece there as well earlier when she talked about education because people will turn around and say I don't think it's right but the fact is that you didn't know People I know, there's a million people that didn't, had never even spoke to a black, a black person. They sit down, they go, oh, I hate black people. And then you go and you said, well, I've never, she never met a black person before. I, I, and that, 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 that happened. You go up north and they say, I literally have never spoken to a black person before. And then I had scenarios when people go, you're all right, you know what I mean? You're, you're all right. And I'm like, what do you think I was going to do? Do you think I had three heads and talking a different language? Or what, 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 what do you think? 
So there is an education process that goes on here, and you can see that was goes on with the LGBT as well. I'm going to talk to Sammy as well because I know Sammy at Fulham. We have got different scenarios as well, like you know, what I'm saying, oh, the Sammy. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, Fulham on Saturday had a rainbow corner flag. Well, rainbow corner flags. They had four of them. Uh, they didn't just make one. And. I didn't actually notice the rainbow laces. I totally agree about the rainbow laces being flawed because also in the stands, I can barely see the other side of the pitch, let alone someone's laces. So it does seem a bit silly to, and also even on, on the telly where it, yeah, you might get a better view of things, how often do they zoom in on people's feet? Not all the time. So I do think the rainbow laces is flawed and they need to find other ways to push the message out. I've got a bit of a personal story that I haven't told this to really anyone apart from my girlfriend who came to the game with me at the time. It was Fulham Middlesbrough back a couple of months ago now and uh, Patrick Bamford plays for Middlesbrough. Now there have been rumours about Patrick Bamford and there was the whole thing with Ryan Tunnicliffe and he went on Twitter and, and said some things about Ryan Tunnicliffe that whether they're true or not it's kind of by the by, but there is, there's been kind of murmurings about him as a player and his sexuality. Anyway, there was a fan, I don't recognise him because he's not a regular, he's not normally sitting around me, he was in the row in front, about six seats to the left. And Ryan, Ryan sorry, uh, Patrick Bamford picked up the ball and he made a few noises and a few things. I thought, hmm, that was a little bit odd, but I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here. And the game went on and on. It was homophobic abuse. It just was. There was absolutely no way or doubt that there was homophobic abuse from this particular fan on his own, but with a group of mates towards Patrick Bamford. Whenever he picked up the ball, I'm talking Kiwi. Whenever he picked up the ball, it was it was it was happening. It was it was clear. It was in front of my eyes. And I and I feel horrendous about this. I didn't do anything because I didn't know what to do. I didn't feel comfortable, especially going to the game with my girlfriend, I don't normally do, I had a spare ticket. I didn't feel comfortable confronting him in front of all of his mates and in front of the entire stand about what he was saying. That's a bad thing on my part. You didn't pick up the Kick It Out app, because you know Kick It Out got an app and you can actually report it there and then. I didn't, but that that's never advertised at Fulham Games, ever. I don't, that's not like, I know at some clubs they say on the tannoy and it's on the screens, it's never there at Fulham Games. And I didn't particularly know what to do and I knew there was a kick it out racism thing I didn't know if I could I, I assumed that you probably could report anything but I didn't really know what to do in that situation and that's bad on me I should have potentially been more proactive but it's hard when you're one person amongst 20,000 do you want to cause a scene not really like when I'm being truthful down to myself what could I do in that situation I would have liked there have to been a more clear thing and also had other fans been educated around me I wasn't sure would I have had the backing of everyone around me that's, I mean that's a, I think that's an interesting point there because you brought up a couple of things you're pro a, you're probably not alone because we've spoke to many, very many fans who have been in the same situation yourself other fans who have decided not to or fans who have decided to and then they've got a whole heap of abuse from the people that they uh, they confronted as well so we've got that scenario and also we've got the situation about the kick it out app and the, and the, and the, the ways that you can report which is obviously not as widespread and wide known as it should be so it's that how do they actually spread the word about these things but that's I mean that's a, that's an interesting story that Laney something that I want to pick up something Nick said um, and again you know he, he rightly said there will be Brentford fans listening to this that, who will be kind of not in agreement with this kind of our kind of like um, 
like like we, we recognise that it's something that needs to be encouraged. So there are Brentford fans that will be um, openly angry about you know us talking about this. Um, so fortunately for them, there is an openly racist, homophobic, and sexist fanzine for them to read. So listen, interesting views all around the table here as well. Um, listen, positive negative. It's still very very early stages. Um, I, I know there's a lot of question marks about the campaign. Not saying that clubs and, 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 and the societies and the football leagues haven't been doing the right things, but it's just like there seems to be a lot more work that needs to be done to really get the ball rolling. And it's more about actually individuals going out of their comfort zone and actually doing things that they really feel can actually engage fans and, and raise the awareness and also raise the awareness of so many different areas because at the end of the day, I'm going to be straight up. Listen. You know me, I just like going to football, having a laugh, having a few beers with people. I don't really care who the hell they are. They come to football, they're a laugh, you know what I'm saying? So that's what football should be about. So we've got a big game on Saturday and, and we had a, quite a big game on Monday. Um, I guess QPR, not, not only was it a big game because it was QPR, but it's a big game because it was our manager, Dean Smith's 100th game for Brentford. And in that 100 game, he's actually won... 38 from what I can gather so he's won 38 out of 100 so um, win percentage I'm just try- I'm trying to work out actually what his win percentage is Laney what's his win percentage oh, 38 wins 100 games 42% well, it's quite good actually isn't it? no 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 52% oh, that's pretty good actually uh, I, 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 Sammy Sammy typical Brentford fans well, can't do the maths can they no, no, what is it what's his win percentage then 35 35 percent i tell you something you know you, you, you're, you're, you're giving him a good for me actually in the days like none of you can add up actually he's got a 74 percent win percentage and, and i don't know what everyone's moaning about you went to london school of economics though i did go to london school of economics you know what i'm saying because that in the day it depends what you it, you put you know you, you take his percentage you put it into the stock market and it depends on if it's, it's it goes higher or it goes lower on the day isn't it higher or lower you pay yeah, but you, you got the you got the algorithm the algorithm indeed but listen Dean Smith got an absolutely fantastic one 38 games in his 100 games 74% win percentage for Brentford I would say so he's going to be with Brentford for at least the next 10 years this is all good but Yukanovic as well has he got as high a win percentage as that for, for Fulham oh wow that is right under the bus uh, <laughs> you've got no idea have you I've got no idea. I can guarantee it's not as high as 74%. It's not as high as 74%. I would dare say it's about the same. About the same? The thing is, we had a terrible half a season when he joined. So I know last season was, we got a lot of wins under him. When you say terrible, you mean brilliant. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I I forget I have to put it through the Brentford filter. We're very happy with this percentage. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might be. You would have been in that first season, not last season. Though. I imagine you were fairly unhappy with his win. Well, we were very happy with what he did in the end last season as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less said about that, the better. Let's move on. <laughs> but anyway, but you're saying that his percentage is quite good and, and, and he's done all right. But overall, over the three years, you seem to be very happy with him. Oh, yeah, very happy with what Slava's done. He's transformed this football club from a side that got relegated, was in a total mess. Um, we had... Felix Maga and all the craziness that went on with him I genuinely don't think there's been a worse manager to come to England than Felix Maga he recommended that Brecken Hangland heal his injury with cheese 
That was that was genuine. That is not a made-up story. No, 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 but you're laughing. I'm not you. You're in. You know, that's the wrong people to be telling that story to. Because to be quite honest with you, he was completely and utterly spot on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, he was sent from Brentford. Yes. After the whole Marcelo Trottergate. Yes. You thought, who can we get into this Fulham side? Cheese, cheese. I mean, cheese is the key. Felix Maga is the one we want to send in there. Yeah. Okay. So Felix Maga came in. Kit Simons arrived and he was uh, you know he's a bit of a Fulham legend and we respected Kit but he had no managerial ability Fulham were in were in tatters a season and a half ago it took him a little while to get going and and definitely the low point of his tenure was the 3-0 reverse at your place but but now he's we are such a good looking football side uh, and I don't mean the players on the pitch. I mean what we're playing on the pitch, and it's it's beautiful to watch. Last season was amazing. This season we've struggled, and and for similar reasons to why you guys have struggled this season, struggled to deal with some of the physicality of the championship, and made a few poor signings as well in the summer. That didn't go quite as well as we'd have hoped, but yeah, he's he's a very very good manager, destined for the Premier League as well. Okay, but you're so happy with him as a manager. Just about, I mean, just let's get back to the game again. Brentford Fulham. What is your favourite Brentford Fulham moment? I mean, it's easy what the favourite Brentford Fulham moment was last season. I think it was early November when we went there and we soaked up a lot of Brentford pressure and came away with an unbelievable 2 0 win. And we played brilliantly that day, and it was one of the first times that I thought, my God, we could go far this season. It was. It was majestic how we played that day. And you know what? You had your chances, but but we, we rode our luck a little bit and we played fantastically and came away with the, with the classic away victory. So I don't think there can be any other memory for a Fulham fan. Although last season in the home game was obviously when we secured our place in the playoffs. So that was quite a good memory, although we didn't actually win. That was obviously a very special day for all Fulham fans. So both games last season were good. It'd be hard to top them this season. Laney. And your favourite Fulham Brentford moment? Am I allowed four? <laughs> no. No, only the one. Oh, let me have four. No. Only the one. No, I'm having four. No. Only the one. Are we can have four on nothing. No, 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 no. One. Four. One. No, I'm going to do, right. Roger Stanislaus, Roger Stanislaus's goal, cutting in, scoring from about 35 yards, 87, 88. Gary Blissett punching Jim Stannard, getting a red card. That's another favourite. Stuart Dallas's two goals in the 4-1 win, they were often overlooked. But my favourite ever Fulham moment, Brentford Fulham moment, was, um, I think I said this on the podcast before actually, but I'll say it again, was um, around that age, around that year, 88, 89, we played at the cottage and it was all cash at the time. And as we, as Brentford fans were coming through, they were taking more money out of the turnstiles than was being handed over. So that was that was a, an abiding memory. That was a, that was a favourite. It was a funny for the moment. What was a funny? Funny. Oh, Yotta scoring the last minute. So that's a favourite. So you mixed funny with, with favourite as well. So you just throw them in there, which is all good and liberal. Yeah. No. I mean, it's a four-one. Yeah, absolutely. It is the. It is the. Only... That's not a moment. Because that was just a whole period, wasn't yeah. it? It was from beginning to end. That was a fantastic day. Meeting you lot off the boat. I can't remember why I wasn't on the boat. I think I was working that morning or something. Meet tractor. Me- meeting you lot off the boat, half cut already. You know, this was only ten thirty. You know taking over the pubs in Fulham having a really good and then going in and seeing 
what was a magnificent team. And yeah, I've got to pick you up on something, Sammy. You said that Jankovic is going to take, take, go to the Premiership. He's going to be a Premiership manager. Presumably not with Fulham, though. I mean, I still think he, I, I still think there's a remote possibility, but no, I I do see him in the Premier League. I don't know, I can't I can't read the future. I can't see whether it's going to be with us. I don't think it will be this season for Fulham. I think we've left it a bit too late. But when you see the manager managerial merry-go-round in the Premier League and the lack of managers coming through into the Premier League, and you know teams in that middle region just seem to go with all the same names, Hodgson. Pardew, Pulis, all the all the ones we all know before, Allardyce. But I think Slav is in that tier of managers just below that is ready to take a Premier League club and take them to another level and bring his brand of football in. It will be a couple of seasons though. I've got a famous, fam- a, Bre- a favourite Brentford moment that never happens. When they were going to knock Craven Cottage down and build flats on the cottage we were going to break in the night before the cottage came down and put a Brentford badge on the wrecking ball that was going to take the cottage down. That never happened. From, from here, we talk about favourite moment and favourites now mixed in with funniest moment as well. I don't know if I mentioned this before on the podcast, but like I said to you, like, um, Rent, one of our posse, still stands with us, Beast fan as well. He had a uh, work experience at Fulham. He's a Brentford fan, but he had a work experience at Fulham one time. And uh, when he was young, I always used to, used to sort him out, and our coaches used to go away. And he's like, ah, he's, oh, thanks for all, thanks very much. He's uh, Paul, Paul Cassell's his brother as well. And, um, you know, and, and so Ren's gone to us anyway. He's got work experience. At the end of his ex- work experience, they said to him, Ren, you've done really well this summer school kids because you can have one of two things we can give you like you know 20 pounds you know in cash or we can give you a box for whichever game you want to so he's turned around and he's like brother what do you reckon he says yeah he got a box so he basically got a box for the Brentford game so there he is like 16 year old got a box of the Brentford game so he's come back to me he's going Bill you know thanks for everything that you've done you and everyone like that I'm going to invite you to the Brentford Fulham game and you're in a box so we thought really brilliant so for that Fulham game we were in the box which is on the side so the, the way end was the terraces that, that, that beyond the goal and then the boxes were on the side they're all the really rubbish sort of kind of almost like cardboardy type boxes and they gave us the box at the end so we've gone inside this box and beers and everything like that and we had a right laugh so anyway we were inside there and we were singing and chanting and there was all sorts of jumping up going on. Come on, Brentford, everything like that. We looked outside and I think at Fulham it's the only time there's been a box surrounded by police. I've <laughs> <laughs> one that's just sprung to mind, like the opposite way around. I've got this really, I haven't seen him for a few years, but he was a very, very close mate of mine, Clark. Won't say his surname just in case the police come. But he was a Fulham fan. His dad, Frank, was, um, his dad um, was a massive Fulham fan. I went to Fulham with him a few times away from Brentford. And he admitted one night that he broke into the Brentford training ground at Osterley with a couple of mates drunk in the very early 80s. And they stole the Brentford training kit. That Brentford training kit was a light blue Adidas kit. And that is a, the most iconic kit ever. Each one of those shirts now would probably be worth about 500 quid, and they they skipped them. So so he he was sat on the on the on the like on the on the like the crown jewels of kits, and they they binned them. So um, yeah, he should have kept them and eBayed them now. He'd be he'd be rolling in it, mate. So listen, but Fulham, and we've got Sammy as well. Like Fulham, we talked about David Button as well. You bought David Button from us, and uh, like I said to you. 
not overly happy with him, but he's still in there and he's doing his thing. There's also a moment in summer which was a bit of panic for the Brentford fans and a bit of joy for Fulham fans, but turned to tears, where um, Hotter, there's a rumour that he's going to sign for you, and uh, he was sighted down the training ground, and it was a besotted exclusive, one of our moles, told us that Hotter was down the training ground. Maybe he was trying to work himself up a deal to Birmingham City, we don't know what he was doing down there, but he even denied it himself that Hotter was signed down the training ground. And if there was anything, we talked about a little bit earlier about singing too soon, that was a moment, or did we didn't talk about it, but we should have done about singing too soon. That was a moment when Fulham fans were singing too soon because all the Fulham fans were singing and laughing the fact that they were going to sign Hotter. And uh, it didn't quite happen, Sammy, did it? No, it didn't. It seemed, ne- for about 24 hours, it seemed absolutely nailed on. And me and you, I remember chatting about it on WhatsApp and, and you seemed pretty certain it was going to happen. You told me that you had some sources down there and it, it all seemed done and dusted. And then on deadline day, it all kind of transpired now he's not interested in Fulham he used you basically he basically used us I'd, but at the end of the day he must have gone for more money oh, no, he why, did. why would you go to Birmingham above Fulham I'm sorry I'm sorry why would you go you're there? not going to pay him 40 grand a week are you I don't but no. if, if he wants to go there for money fair play if he wanted to have a chance of playing in a quality football team and not Birmingham City he should say to Brentford <laughs> <laughs> so listen, yeah. So we got that. So listen, we got the match on Saturday, and um, I'm a little bit nervous about it. Or am I a little bit nervous about it? No, actually, no, I'm not that nervous about it. Because with the style of football that we play, I think that you know we should be doing all right against Fulham. Um, as long as they're not they're not coming to play the long ball game. So Sammy's also he's taken a little bit of nerves away from us. So I mean, how do you see this one panning out, Laney? God knows. Um, at, at, at five minutes to go on Monday night, I would have said we were up for taking on anyone. It, just, it literally depends how those two goals have affected us, if I'm honest with you. Um, I'm not going to do the heart and head thing because, you know, it's, it's bit me in the arse a few times. I'm a bit, obviously I'm a bit concerned about Fulham because they're a good team. Um, they're, they're up there. Um, they, they demolished uh, Sheffield United a couple of weeks ago. They're capable of, 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 of scoring lots of goals. If we're if we're at our best, we'll beat them. If we're anyway if we're anyway near our worst, they'll beat us. Um, we just need to be on our A game. We were that for 90 minutes. Um, just hopefully there's not a lot not a lot of injury time on the, on, on Saturday. Score prediction. Then. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go two one Bs. You bees the liberal team's got a lot to prove. Um, it let us down on let us fans down on Monday night. It's got a lot to do. Um, two derbies, two high-profile derbies in a week is always going to be difficult. Um, management and team between them really got to pull out all the stops. Uh, uh, sadly, though, I don't think I think we'll lose. I think we're on the start of a losing run again because that's what it's like. Sorry to be a negative, but you know, it's because we're not playing long ball, isn't it? It's because we're not prepared to battle and grind out the results. We had, a, we had a higher in our two in the two double headers last last year. We had a high and a low in each of them, didn't we? So we we beat we beaten QPR, then lost at home to Fulham. Then we beat QPR, and then we, we drew away at, uh, at Fulham. So you know maybe the maybe the maybe Monday's a low, and we're going to get the high on Saturday. Yeah, so I've changed my mind. So we're going to win three one. Sammy, do you know what? It's a difficult game, and I think you've nailed it on the head that 
it's whatever team turns up on the day. I think Sky have made a horrendous decision not putting on this on the telly because I think this is going to be a really entertaining game between two sides that love to play football and love to play football the right way and we both agreed on that earlier. So I, I do think it's who turns up. I think that at the moment the momentum is with Fulham. We've won two games on the bounce as you say with that amazing win at Sheffield United which kind of proved to us all that we can score goals. We've pretty much got a full team of players to pick from apart from Lucas Piazon so everyone's fully fit and I'm hoping that Monday night proves such a blow to your team and it will do. it will be hard for your team to get over conceding two goals to your local rivals late on plus also we've had two extra days to prepare for this game that's an that's a small factor that might play its part I'm gonna go we never keep a clean sheet so you will score I will go for a 3-1 win though but I think it will be tight up until late and I think we might just run away with it what I'd quite like to know from you guys what's a bigger must win Fulham or QPR Fulham. no brainer Fulham for me Fulham Fulham why not QPR QPR alright but to be quite honest with you they've gone they've had speed mate they're on the way down Fulham has always been from the original from the 80s from the 90s you're always there and to be quite honest with you we kind of pipped you to the end then all of a sudden you got a bit of money and you went up it's always been Fulham for me what you, what you said there is really I know this could be construed as like just meddling and, 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 and stirring it but I actually do think as QPR has, has been has gone I, I, I do I do think you know the, they are going to get some sort of justice meted out to them in the end with, a, with a, an FFP fine they they, they are going to get relegated at some stage soon Fulham um, they've bounced you, you, you've reached in there you've got you've, you almost got relegated um, last year you almost got promoted you, you, you've escaped it we see I, I think you know you 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 are you know a real it's a big match now, and it's it's it's, it's like a clash of um, you know two teams that want to play football. So you know, I, I just I, I, that's the one I fear losing most. But it's the one that I always want to win more. And I think it's it's different as well because it depends on the age group. With our age group as well, people that went through the 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 nineties in particular, Fulham is the massive match. I think with a lot of the younger fans, QPR is a bigger match. But what I have noticed when we come to the QPR game. Everyone hypes it up and they go, yeah, yeah, QPR. But then when it comes to the actual match, it's a little bit of like a whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's all right. You had people that didn't even turn up on Monday, you know what I'm saying? They just uh, watched it on TV. Whereas technically, if Fulham, if you're playing Fulham, you still, t even if it's on TV, you still turn up because it's Fulham. You look at the atmosphere of the, of the two Craven Cottage games compared to the, the, the Loftus Road games. Craven Cottage ones have been, both of them have been absolutely off the scale, like potty. Um, so, you know, I, I think that on, on terms of, you know, on the, on the pottiness kind of scale, it, it, it speaks for itself, I'd say. But yeah, but Craven Cottage is also a proper football ground. I mean, like Griffin Park is. I mean, QPR's Loftus Road is sort of a tin shed, isn't it? I mean, you know, Griffin Park under lights or with the pubs on all four corners, old fashioned ground, we'll miss it when we move. Craven Cottage is one of those iconic football grounds, you know, people travel around the world to come and see the Archibald Stand, don't they, and all that sort of stuff, you know, you're not, you're not going to replicate that anywhere else. Indeed, and see, for myself, listen, match on Saturday, listen, we never hardly keep a clean sheet, or we have, we have done recently, but recently we've fluffed it a little bit, in general, I should actually say that QBR are going to score, but no, I'm going to actually go against the grain today, and I think QBR say Fulham. 
Fulham. They're playing Fulham on Saturday. And to be quite his character. Character's not very happy behind us anyway, but we'll, we'll ignore that. Listen, we're moving forward because Fulham on Saturday, I think 2-0 to the Mighty Bees. We're actually going to bring it around because last Monday we fluffed it. We're going to actually bring it around. They're going to pay something back to the fans. They need to pay something back to the fans because they really, really, really fluffed it on Monday. But listen, a couple of things here. Besotted Social, still a few more tickets for that. Go to the Besotted website and click on Besotted Social. You can get that. Fuller's Brewery, Kev O'Connor, um, and uh, and also Bob Taylor, and all sorts of other stuff going on there. It's going to be an absolutely wicked laugh. Go on to that as well. Also, check out the Besotted Shop. We keep on, we've got loads of t-shirts now. We've got uh, teams like Brentford. We've got the um, Faces t-shirt. We've got Wysak Dodging t-shirts as well. We've got a load of prints that have gone out, which have almost finished as well. Big sort of like, you know, 100 by 75 canvas prints of... Uh, of Brentford 60s um, photographs and stuff. We've got all sorts of stuff going on. We got a little bit creative over the last couple of weeks. So go on to the Brentford website, website and check that out as well. For the Brentford fan in your life for Christmas. You know that as well, for the Brentford fan in your life for Christmas, as the Liberal will say as well. But other than that, tell you something, Saturday, Fulham, looking forward to it, coming down. Sammy might even come down and have a beer with us before the game. Always welcome. Yeah, he was always welcome to come down. He'll also buy us a spice of beer after the game when we've uh, taken the three points of him. In fact, we'll buy him a beer after the game as well. You, you know what I'm saying? You know? <laughs> That's right, which is all good. But listen, it's been a great evening. We've had a bit of a laugh, but as we say, and we're going to get Sammy to say as well, we're in the hydrant in Monument, and everyone knows the chant now as we say, Come on, you bees! Go on, Sammy. Nah, you're alright. Brentford <laughs> <laughs> FC, come on, come on, you Brentford, come on, come on, you bees, come on, come on, you Brentford, come on, sit. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.